Hello, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Five. The Slowpoke. Harbin called Mrs. Quadrangle. Breakfast. I'm making waffles. So hurry, dear. Coming, Mom. Harbin answered. But unless coming means sitting on the bed and watching a beetle crawling on the screen, Harbin wasn't. After he had watched the beetle for five or ten minutes, Harbin slowly reached out and picked up a sock. He looked at the sock. Fixedly, almost as if he were waiting for it to say something to him, then let it slide out of his fingers. It fell across his shoe. He lay back on his bed, folded his arms behind his head, and gazed up at the ceiling. There was a brown stain just over his head, where the roof had leaked the winter they had a hurricane. The stain looked just like a map of South America. Harbin was trying to figure out where the Amazon River and those little fish that ate a man right down to his skeleton in three minutes were, when his mother again called, "Harbin, breakfast." Coming, mom," he answered. The spot really looked more like Africa. He decided, "Boy, he'd sure like to go to Africa." He bet that if he went to Africa, he'd find a diamond the very first thing. A diamond as big as a lump of sugar, and he'd give it to his mom. No, he guessed he'd give it to Miss Hackett, his teacher. Harbin Quadrangle. His mother's voice sounded very impatient. Your waffles are getting cold and soggy. The other children are all through breakfast, and your daddy's ready to leave for the office. If you're not down here in two minutes, I'm coming up. Harbin sat up and reached down for the sock. He had it halfway on his foot when Mister Pierce, the large black family dog, came into his room. "Well, hello, old boy," said Harbin, letting go of his sock, which now dangled from his toe. "Shake hands with me, old boy." Mister Pierce wagged his tail and licked Harbin's face, but he didn't want to shake hands. When Harbin reached for his paw, he backed away. Harbin said, "Say, Mister Pierce." I bet you've forgotten how to shake hands. Come on, I'll teach you. Now first, you sit, sit, boy. Come on, Mister Pierce, sit, Mister Pierce, sit. Good boy. Now, give me your paw. No, don't lie down. Sit, sit, boy. Sit, Mister Pierce, sit, boy. Come on, lick on my sock, Mister Pierce. Come back here with my sock, Mister Pierce. Come back here. But Mister Pierce didn't. He trotted happily downstairs and laid Harbin's sock at Mister Quadrangle's feet. Mister Quadrangle said, "What's this, Mister Pierce? A blue grouse?" He picked up the sock and held it over Mister Pierce's head. Mister Pierce wagged his tail proudly. Missus Quadrangle, who was braiding Jenny's hair, said, "Let me see that sock a minute, Donald." Mister Quadrangle handed it to her. She looked at it for a minute, told Jenny to stand very still until she got back. Then, with the sock in her hand, she marched out of the dining room and up the stairs. In the meantime, Harbin had fallen back on his bed and was laying in a jumbled mess of bed covers and school clothes, daydreaming about helping the Canadian Mounted Police capture the most dangerous criminal in all the world. Harbin, also in his uniform, of course, because he was a secret member of the Mounties, suddenly his mother's exasperated voice was saying, 
Harbin Quadrangle, it's almost a quarter to eight, and here you are, not even half-dressed. What's the matter with you? The brave little Mountie was jerked unceremoniously off the bed and clunked to the floor. Now, she said his mother, get dressed immediately while I watch you. Harbin fumbled around in the blankets for his T-shirt and sweater. Impatiently, his mother pushed him out of the way and quickly found the clothes. Jerking the T-shirt, then the sweater down over his head, she said, I certainly have enough to do in the morning without having to dress a great big eight-year-old boy. Now, where are your jeans? Well, uh, well, uh. His mother ripped the blankets off the bed, and sure enough, there were the jeans down by the foot. While Harbin put them on, she went into the bathroom and filled the basin with warm water. As soon as she was out of the room, Harbin slumped back on the bed. Wolves, he said to his shoes, which he had picked up and was holding. Boy, wouldn't I love to have a wolf of my very own. I bet if I was nice to him and fed him meat and petted him a lot, he'd be... But he never found out what the wolf would be because his mother yanked him into the bathroom and began scrubbing his face and neck. Oh, oh, you're taking the skin off, howled the brave little Mountie, trying to shield his face with both arms. Put your arms down, said his mother firmly. You've still got some of Wednesday's chocolate ice cream by that hairline. Now, let me see your ears. Oh, gosh, not my ears. You scrub them so hard you make them ache. If you ache too much, let me know, and I'll give you an aspirin, his mother said briskly. When she had him all scrubbed, Mrs. Quadrangle rammed Harbin's feet into his socks and shoes and then scooted him down the stairs ahead of her. When he came into the dining room, his father said, Well, if it isn't the fireman. One ring of the bell, and he's in his clothes and down the pole. Sylvia, his sister, who was eleven, said, Do all of our meals have to be ruined by that little slow poke? Jenny said, I'm going to tell the kids at school that mother has to dress you. You do, and I'll... You'll sit down and eat your waffles. And said his mother, Sylvia, run upstairs and get me an, el an elastic band out of my desk. Jenny, come here and I'll finish you. Oh, quick, Donald, the baby's putting his dish on his head. The baby, whom they called Old Timer, had indeed put his dish of oatmeal on his head. Little rivulets of milk and cereal ran down his forehead and onto his eyes. He blinked and smiled happily. The children laughed uproariously. So did Mr. Quadrangle. Mrs. Quadrangle sighed and sent Harbin upstairs for a wash rag. As he got slowly up from his chair, his mother shouted at him, Hurry! Hurry! H-U-R-R-Y, she spelled it out. Harvin said, I am hurrying, and shuffled from the room. He was all right, or rather, he kept moving until he got to the stairs, in fact, to the first step. Then suddenly, the stairs turned into a rope ladder up the side of a ship. The ship was a pirate ship, and Harvin, who had swum under water clear across the ocean, was boarding her secretly, carefully, bravely, hand over hand, up the rope ladder. When Mrs. Quadrangle finally sent Jenny to see what in the world was the matter with Harbin, why he hadn't brought the wash rag, Jenny found him laying on the stairs, 
pulling himself up by the balustrade, hand over hand, very slowly. When Jenny saw him, she yelled at her mother, Mom, he hasn't even gone upstairs at all. He's just lying here in the hall. Mrs. Quadrangle sighed and mopped the old timer off with a dishcloth. Mr. Quadrangle walked sternly out to the hall and said to Harbin, who was halfway up the side of the pirate ship and so tired he didn't think he could go any further. What's going on out there? Why are you draped on the staircase like an old Spanish shawl? Then Harbin did a strange thing. He turned to his father and said, Shh, they'll hear you. Mr. Quadrangle looked at his son for a minute and then went back into the dining room and said to his wife, Call Dr. Watkins. The boy's hit his head and he's delirious. Oh, good heavens, said Mrs. Quadrangle, dropping Old Timer into his playpen with a thump. She ran into the front hall and sure enough, there he was, Harbin, clinging to the balustrade and breathing heavily. Mrs. Quadrangle rushed up and knelt beside him. Son, son, are you all right? She said, laying her hand on his forehead. Of course I'm all right, said Harbin, looking around at him. What's the matter? Why are you all looking so funny? Did you fall, son? asked Mr. Quadrangle. Of course he did, said Mrs. Quadrangle impatiently. But how far? Did you fall from the first or the third floor, Sonny? And where did you hurt yourself? Is it your back or your leg? It's his back. He's broken it. He's completely paralyzed, announced Sylvia impatiently. I saw a movie once where a man broke his back, and he acted just like Harbin. His arms looked funny to me, said Jenny. See how funny the bones stick out? There's nothing wrong with my arms or back, said Harbin, sitting up. I was just trying to go upstairs hand over hand the way sailors go up a rope. His mother heaved a vast sigh of relief and then said briskly, All right, everybody, in your coats. It's after 8.30. Jenny, get me old-timer's ski suit. It's in the hall closet. Everybody was in the car, the engine was running, and Mr. Quadrangle was saying impatiently, If we don't leave right this instant, I'll miss my train. When Jenny suddenly remembered, she had to bring two potatoes to school. As Harbin was closest to the door, Mrs. Quadrangle sent him to get the potatoes. Now run fast, she told him, and he did, at least as far as the back porch where the potatoes were kept. Then he saw the old piece of fish net he had found on the beach the summer before. It was hanging on a nail right by the mop. Harbin stopped dead in his tracks. What was his fish net doing there on the back porch? Ready for the garbage man? Harbin jerked it off the nail, intending to take it upstairs to his room. But somehow or other, the feel of the net in his hands, the faint smell of the seaweed that still clung to it, made him think of the sea and oysters and pearls and pearl divers and giant clams. He had on his aqualung and was at the bottom of the ocean, searching, searching for the famous pink pearl that would make him the richest man in all the world. It was dark and scary at the bottom of the ocean, and there were sharks and octopuses and barracuda and enormous snapping turtles and, worst of all, giant clams that could catch your leg in their giant shells and hold you there until you drowned, unless you were brave enough to cut off your own leg. 
with your deep sea diving knife. Oh, ow, the pain is awful, Harbin said to himself as he looked down and saw his leg caught clear to the thigh in the shell of a giant clam. I will have to cut off my leg, but it is worth it because I have found the famous pink pearl and... Harbin quadrangle, Sylvia yelled right in his ear. You've probably made Daddy miss his train. What are you doing with that smelly old fishnet? Where are Jenny's potatoes? Uh, uh. Harbin looked around, bewildered. Pulling open the cooler door, Sylvia grabbed two potatoes. Come on, she said, jerking Harbin by the arm. Daddy's just furious. Mr. Quadrangle missed his train all right and would have, t have to take the 9.15. Also, the first bell had already rung when the children got to school. Sylvia and Jenny were panicky and hurled themselves out of the car and into the building. Not Harbin. He carefully collected his books, kissed his mother and old-timer, and then ambled slowly across the schoolyard. Just look at that, said Mr. Quadrangle to Mrs. Quadrangle. Not a care in the world. Plenty of time to look at the view. The second bell is probably rung, but it means less than nothing to Hairbreadth Harbin, the human rocket. You know, Don, I think maybe he needs thyroid pills, said Mrs. Quadrangle. I'm going to call Dr. Watkins just as soon as I get home. Go ahead, said Mr. Quadrangle. But I'll bet he'll tell you there's nothing wrong with him that a little spanking won't cure. Anyway, it's time for the train. Goodbye, old-timer. Goodbye, honey. See you at 6.30. As soon as she got home, Mrs. Quadrangle called Dr. Watkins, but he had gone to Oak Beach. Mrs. Quadrangle left word for him to call her when he got in and set to work to make applesauce cake. Harbin loved applesauce cake, and it was full of raisins and nuts and butter and sugar, all very nourishing and undoubtedly just the thing for a pitiful little boy with a very low thyroid. As soon as she had the cake in the oven, she called the butcher and ordered two soup bones with lots of marrow because she had heard that marrow was excellent for run-down people. She also made an enormous bowl of cherry jello. Gelatin contains lots of pectin and whipped a full pint of cream. She was looking in her cookbook under the section feeding the invalid and wondering what else to fix for poor little Harbin. When Old Timer announced via loud howls that it was time for his bath and morning nap. After she had him in the bath and settled in his crib with a bottle, she called Mr. Kundrangle at work and asked him to bring home a giant-sized bottle of cod liver oil. What for? asked Mr. Quadrangle. Don't those vitamin pills we all take contain everything we need? They're supposed to, said Mrs. Quadrangle, but I don't want to take any chances with Harbin. He's so weak and run down. He's what? asked Mr. Quadrangle. Weak and run down, said Mrs. Quadrangle. You certainly haven't forgotten how he lay on the stairs this morning, so feeble to get up or down. Mr. Quadrangle sighed. Any particular brand of cod liver oil? he asked. Just get the strongest, said Mrs. Quadrangle, the kind they use for invalids. How about a wheelchair, too, said Mr. Quadrangle. Don't joke about it, said Mrs. Quadrangle. It's serious. The way you're going on about this, said Mr. Quadrangle, maybe I'd better exchange the wheelchair for a stretcher. 
By the way, what did Dr. Watkins say? He wasn't in, said Mrs. Quadrangle crossly. He's going to call me. Fine, said Mr. Quadrangle. Let me know what he says. Then it was time for the children to come home from school. First Sylvia and her best friend Annabelle came giggling in, fixed themselves two peanut butter and pickle sandwiches, two huge pieces of applesauce cake, and two enormous dishes of jello heaped with whipped cream. Loading their food on a tray, they staggered up to Sylvia's room with it and spent the rest of the afternoon eating and giggling and telephoning. Then Jenny and her best friend, Mona and Kathy, came giggling in, grabbed some sandwiches and cake, Jenny, Harbin's, and Sylvia's roller skates, and left. There was no sign of Harbin. She fed old-timer his applesauce and cookies, put on his ski suit, and put him out in the yard in his pen. You watch for your brother, she told him. Let me know as soon as you see him coming, and I'll walk down and help him. Old-timer, intent on throwing out all of his toys out of the pen as fast as he could, said, Goggle wash up ripish. All right, says mother, I trust you. She went in the house and began fixing an enormous, really overpowering after-school snack for Harbin. Three thick peanut butter and pickle sandwiches, a chunk of cake big enough for a man-mountain dean, and a soup bowl full of jello slogged over with whipped cream. When she had everything ready and laid out in the kitchen table, she went to the window and looked anxiously down the street for Harbin. He was there, all right, clear down by Mrs. Axel's, and moving so slowly he looked almost like a statue. Oh, the poor, poor little thing, said his mother, grabbing her sweater off the kitchen chair and running out the back door. Harbin, Harbin, wait for me, she called out as she hurried down the street. Harbin, who was escaping from a dungeon and with terribly heavy long chains on, was trying to feel his way along a pitch-black, dank passageway that ran under the castle of a wicked bandit who had captured him, paid absolutely no attention to his mother. Then he was being crushed in a rather hysterical embrace, and his mother was saying, "'Do you want mother to carry you, sweetheart? Carry me? You?' Harbin looked at his mother as if she had suddenly gone crazy." "'Of course, dear,' she said, crouching down and peering into his face. "'Mother knows how tired and weak and sick you are.' "'I'm not weak and sick,' Harbin said irritably. "'I feel fine.' "'But you were moving so slowly,' said his mother. "'Oh, I was just, uh, well, uh, well, oh, let me alone,' Harbin finished in disgust. But his mother put her arm around him and tried to lift him. Harbin struggled wildly, and finally his mother dropped him. "'What's the matter with you?' Harbin said angrily. "'Well, if you won't let me carry you,' said his mother, "'I'll walk along with you in case you should faint. "'I made an applesauce cake for you today.' "'Hot dog,' said Harbin. "'That's my favorite.' "'I know,' his mother said with a catch in her voice. "'Can I have two pieces?' Harbin asked. "'Certainly,' his mother said. "'As many as you like.' "'Oh, boy!' said Harbin, beginning to run. "'Harbin, Harbin, darling!' called his mother anxiously. "'Be careful! You're weak!' She needn't have worried. Harbin ran as far as Wilcox Hedge, and then suddenly he saw the Wilcox's yellow cat, Dandelion, hiding behind the hedge. 
Harbin stopped short. A lion, a full-grown, vicious lion with a bullet in his shoulder, a little native child between its paws. The natives in the village had sent Harbin, armed only with a bow and arrow, out to save the chief's little son. Slowly, carefully, he crouched down. Then just as slowly and carefully, he took an arrow out of his quiver, put it in his bow, and began to pull back the string. He was just getting ready to let it snap when an arm grabbed him around the waist, and his mother's voice said, "'Son, son, what is the matter?' Have you got a cramp in your stomach? Oh, Mom, said Harmon disgustedly. Why can't you let me alone? But your face was contorted with pain, his mother said. It was not, said Harmon. I was just, well, I was just, I mean, I was practicing shooting a bow and arrow. Well, come along and get your cake, said his mother. I have everything laid out on the kitchen table. Keen, said Harbin, actually hurrying the rest away home. When they got to the house, old-timer, who had thrown all his toys out and had nothing to play with, held out his arms and whimpered to be picked up. Mrs. Quadrangle decided to take him out and let him run around a while. She put the baby on the grass and sat on the steps to watch him. When Harbin walked into the kitchen and saw the enormous feast his mother had laid out for him, he said, at last, at last, and fell into a chair and began shoveling the food because all afternoon he had been on a desert island without anything to eat but a few raw fish he caught with his hands. And then just by chance, when he was so weak he could hardly drag himself along the beach, he sighted this boat. And they took him aboard and the cook fixed all this wonderful food and he had eaten and gotten back his strength, and he was going to tell them about the uranium mine he had found. Harbin closed his eyes. The room began to go around and around. He felt terrible, like a steer that had been roped around the stomach. He loosened his belt. Then made him that made him feel a little better, but the kitchen seemed awfully hot. Slowly, wearily, he got up and went outdoors. His mother, still sitting on the steps, looked at him and said, Harbin, honey, you look awful. Are you sick? Well, I guess I am, Harbin said, slumping down beside her. Stick out your tongue, his mother demanded. He did. She said, oh, just as I thought, your tongue is coated and your throat is red. You go right upstairs and get to bed. I'm going to ask Dr. Watkins to drop by. Taking his belt off altogether made Harbin feel much better. So did his cool bed. He went to sleep. He, it was after supper when he woke up. He could tell because the house smelled faintly of lamb stew. He could hear Jenny and Sylvia and the neighborhood kids quarreling over whose turn it was to be it in hide-and-seek. He turned over and closed his eyes again. There were steps on the stairs, and Dr. Watkins boomed out, "'Hi there, Sonny. What's the trouble?' "'Nothing,' said Harbin. "'I guess I just ate too much.' After Dr. Watkins had peered in his ears, nose, and throat, poked the th and thumped him all over, and pronounced him, "'Sound as a nut,' Mrs. Quadrangle, who had been hovering anxiously in the background, said, "'Dr. Watkins, I want to talk to you.' 
She took him downstairs and told him the full details about Harbin's spell of weakness. He said, Nothing's physically wrong with the boy. Let's see. He's going on nine, isn't he? Yes, he'll be nine next September, Mrs. Quadrangle said sadly, as though Harbin would never live to see his birthday cake. Well then, said Dr. Watkins, fishing in his pocket for a prescription blank. I would diagnose his trouble as extra acute daydreaming. Now, I'll write out this prescription, and I'm pretty sure if you follow it, he'll be back to normal in no time. He wrote rapidly on a prescription blank, folding it and handing it to Mrs. Quadrangle. Then he was gone. Taking the slip of paper, Mrs. Quadrangle went into Mr. Quadrangle's study and said, It's just as I thought, Donald. Harbin is sick. Dr. Watkins gave me a prescription for him. Mrs. Quadrangle handed it to him. He unfolded it and read, Call Mrs. Piggle Wiggle. Vine Maple, one, two, three, four, five. Mrs. Piggy Wiggle, exclaimed Mrs. Quadrangle. Certainly, said Mr. Quadrangle. She's earned a pretty fine reputation for curing children of irritating faults. Let's give it a try. Well, you call her then, said Mrs. Quadrangle. I wouldn't know what to say. Very well, said Mr. Quadrangle, picking up the phone and dialing the number. Hello, Mrs. Pigglewiggle. This is Harbin Quadrangle's father. I just wonder if you knew anything that would help cure a slowpoke. Apparently, Mrs. Piggywiggle did know because there was a silence on Mr. Quadrangle's end of the phone for quite a while. Then he said, Thank you very much. I'll be right over. What did she say? Where are you going? Can she cure Harbin? asked Mrs. Quadrangle. Mr. Quadrangle stood up, gave her a kiss, and said, It's in the bag. He was whistling as he went out the front door. When he came back about half an hour later, he was carrying a small bottle of clear fluid and a little sprayer. What is that? asked Mrs. Quadrangle, who was in the living room reading a book on child psychology. Mrs. Piggywiggle said to spray this on his clothes. She said to lay out the clothes he will wear to school tomorrow and then spray them thoroughly, especially the shoes. But what will the spray do? What is it for? asked Mrs. Quadrangle anxiously. Dunno, said Mr. Quadrangle humming. He uncorked the bottle and filled the little sprayer. When they went into his room, they found Harbin deeply asleep. His mother quickly felt his forehead, but it was cool and moist. He appeared very relaxed, and he was smiling. Apparently, his dream was a happy one. Tiptoeing over to the bureau, Mrs. Quadrangle opened the drawers and took out clean clothes, a t-shirt, a sweater, some socks, and jeans. She laid them out on the foot of Harbin's bed, and Mr. Quadrangle sprayed them. There were tiptoeing out when Mr. Quadrangle remembered the shoes and went back and sprayed them. Mrs. Quadrangle didn't sleep very well that night. The minute she got out of bed the next morning, she rushed into Harbin's room to see if he was all right. He was still fast asleep. She tiptoed out, went downstairs, and put on the coffee. Mr. Pierce scratched on the cellar door. She opened it, and he wagged his tail, and she patted him on the head, and then she put him out. 
It was raining, a thin, misty, cold drizzle. Mr. Pierce looked at her reproachfully and tried to squeeze past her back into the house. She said firmly, Oh, no, you don't, sir. You've been in the house all night, and now I want you to take a little run. She tried to push him out with her foot, but he sat down heavily on it. She had just about decided to give up when suddenly the back door was flung open and Harbin, fully dressed and combed and washed, said briskly, What's the matter, Mom? What are you trying to do? It's Mr. Pierce, said Mrs. Quadrangle, giving him another yank. He won't go out and take his morning run because it's raining and he hates the rain. What's the matter, old boy, said Harbin, kneeling beside him. Don't you like the rain? Mr. Pierce thumped his tail on the porch and licked Harbin's face. Standing up, Harbin said, I'll go with him, Mom. We'll take a run around the block. But the rain, said Mrs. Quadrangle. You'll get all wet. Not me, said Harbin. I'll run too fast. He jumped off the porch, skipping the steps entirely, and raced down the driveway, yelping happily. Mr. Pierce followed. Mrs. Quadrangle went into the kitchen, put the milk on for cocoa, and poured herself a cup of coffee. She had only taken two sips when the back door flew open and in came Harbin and Mr. Pierce. Harbin's cheeks were bright pink. His eyes sparkled and neither he nor Mr. Pierce seemed to be at all wet. My goodness, his mother said. You must have run faster than the wind. Faster than the rain, you mean, said Harbin laughing. Boy, I've never run so fast. Even Mr. Pierce couldn't keep up with me. What are we having for breakfast? I'm starved. Mrs. Quadrangle, who didn't really wake up all the way until after she had had her coffee, said, Well, uh, uh, I know, said Harbin brusquely. I'll have French toast. Good idea, said his mother. I'll get it at just as soon as I've finished this cup of coffee. I'll make it, said Harbin. You just tell me what to do. He flung open a cupboard and began rattling the pots and pans. Get out a bowl, said his mother, and the eggs and some milk, and there was a sharp rapping at the back door. It was George Wilcox, the paper boy. He said he was sorry he was so late, but he had a flat tire on his bicycle. And here was the paper he hoped it hadn't gotten too wet while he was fixing his bike. Harbin put down the mixing bowl. He had taken out the pan cupboard and said, Hey, Georgie, want me to come along and help you deliver? I can take one side of the street and you can take the other. Georgie, who remembered Harbin as something of a human snail, said quickly, Oh, that's all right, Harbin. I'll make it, I guess. Harbin said, You can't. It's almost 6.30. Mrs. Quadrangle looked up at the kitchen clock, then wiped her eyes on her apron and looked again. It was only 6.25. Heaven, she and Harbin must have gotten up at 5.45. She looked at Harbin in astonishment. Could this bright-eyed, eager little boy be the same one who was always the last to breakfast? In fact, the last for everything? Harbin said, Wait a sec, till I get my jacket, Georgie. Georgie, who looked sleepy and as messy as if he had dressed in a wind tunnel, said, Well, okay, but hurry. In two seconds, Harbin was back with his jacket. As he went out the door, he said to his mother, Better make a huge batch of French toast, Mom. Come on, Mr. Pierce. We got work to do. When Mr. Quadrangle came downstairs a little after 7.30, his first words were, 
What about the magic spray? Did it work? I got up so early and have been so busy I forgot all about it, said Mrs. Quadrangle. Now sit down and eat this French toast while it's hot. Did you waken the girls? I think they're up, said Mr. Quadrangle. But what about Harbin? Have you called him yet? Called him, said Mrs. Quadrangle. He was downstairs before six o'clock. Where is he now? asked Mr. Quadrangle, dwaddling some place, I imagine. He is not, said Mrs. Quadrangle. Look out, that plate's as hot as the Dickens. Well, then, where is he? asked his father impatiently. He's gone with Georgie Wilcox on his paper route. Georgie had a flat tire on his bicycle and was late, and Harbin offered to help him. Hope Georgie's customers won't mind a morning paper being delivered in the afternoon, said Mr. Quadrangle through a bite of French toast. Just then the back door burst open, and Harbin called out, Sure hope breakfast is ready. I'm starving like a lion. Seeing his father, he said, Hi, Dad. Say, no what? Georgie Wilcox said, I'm the fastest helper he's ever had on his paper route, and he said if his mom and dad let him go to California to visit his grandmother this summer, he'll let me take over his paper route, and he makes almost $40 a month. Zowie! But you'd have to get up so early, his mother said. Who cares, said Harbin. I'd make almost $40 a month. You make forty dollars a month, sneered Sylvia, who had just come to the table. Don't be fantastic. A slow book like you would be worth forty cents. Sylvia, said Mr. Quadrangle sternly, be quiet. Now, son, what about this paper route? Do you think you could handle it? Of course I could, Harbin said. Gosh, this morning I delivered three papers to Georgie's one. Mrs. Quadrangle said, Where's Jenny? She was up when you came downstairs, Sylvia. I don't know, said Sylvia. I called her about thirty thousand times, but when I went into her room to get my blue sweater, she sneaked and wore and spilled coke on all down the front of. She was still in bed reading. I'd better call again, said Mrs. Quadrangle. She went to the front of the stairs and called, Jenny? Jenny! After a while, a muffled voice answered, Be down in a sec. Mrs. Quadrangle listened for a minute, then hearing no sign of activity from Jenny's room, she went up. She found Jenny still in her nightgown, leaning on the window sill and looking out at the rain. Her mother said quite sharply, Jenny Quadrangle, it is almost time to leave for school. Why aren't you dressed? Jenny turned, gave her mother a dreamy, faraway look, and said, Rain running down the window pane reminds me of tears. Do you think that rain could be the teardrops of all the poor people who have died? My goodness, what a morbid idea, said Mrs. Quadrangle, pulling Jenny's skirt and sweater out of the jumble of bedclothes. Here, put these on quickly, and I'll start on your hair while you put on your shoes and socks. Slowly, Jenny straightened up, took the skirt and sweater from her mother, and then said, Mother, if I should die, would you and Daddy cry? Don't talk that way, said her mother crossly. In fact, don't talk at all. Just hurry. But mother, said Jenny, what if I did die tomorrow? What if I got run over by a truck? With an exasperated sigh, Mrs. Quadrangle grabbed the skirt and sweater from Jenny. 
Come here, she said. I'll dress you, although I think it is perfectly ridiculous for a great big girl to have to be dressed by her mother. She had just begun to pull the skirt down over Jenny's head when suddenly she remembered the little sprinkle filled with Mrs. Piggle Wiggle's magic liquid for slowpokes. She pulled the skirt off Jenny's head, picked up her sweater, shoes, and socks, and said, You go straight and get washed. I'll be right back. The little blower was in the drawer of Mr. Quadrangle's bedstand. She took it out and carefully sprayed Jenny's clothes. Then she went back to Jenny's room, where Jenny, instead of washing her face, was laying across the bed singing, My country tis of thee. When she saw her mother and said, I know all the verse to the spar-spangled banner and want to hear them, no, said her mother firmly. Stand up so I can dress you. She jammed the skirt and sweater down over Jenny's head, stuffed her feet into her socks and shoes, and then pushed her into the bathroom, washed her face and hands, and was just braiding her hair when Mr. Quadringer called. Molly, I'll have to leave for the station in five minutes. All right, dear, said Mrs. Quadringle, snapping an elastic around the end of Jenny's braid. To Jenny, she said, You'll just have to eat some toast and peanut butter on the way to the station. Now scoot and fix it all. I'll get old-timer up. But he hasn't had his mush, said Jenny, who suddenly seemed very wide awake and bright. I know, said Mrs. Quadringle, but we're late, so he'll just have to wait. I'll fix him some mush in a bottle, said Jenny. You change him and put on his ski suit, and I'll fix the bottle, and we'll give it to him in the car. When they were all settled in the car, complete with Sylvia's note for an early dismissal to go to the dentist, with Uncle Joe's elephant tooth for Harbin to show during a natural history period, Jenny with old timer and the bottle, Mr. Quadrangle said, "'Okay, everybody.' "'Okay,' they all said. "'All aboard, then,' he shouted, stepping on the gas. "'Next stop, the station.' Then he turned to Mrs. Quadrangle and said, Say, did you by any chance spray any of that magic stuff on my clothes? I feel awfully quick and alert for this early in the morning. Smiling a little sheepishly, Mrs. Quadrangle said, Only a little bit on your shoes. Then we're even, laughed Mr. Quadrangle. I sprayed some on your hair when you were asleep. No wonder I woke up so early, laughed Mrs. Quadrangle. Let's all sing God Bless America, said Harbin from the back seat. Let's all sing God Bless Mrs. Piggy Wiggle, said Mr. Quadrangle, honking the horn at a fat gray pigeon. The end. Well, that was Hello, Mrs. Piggle Wiggle, and I really thought that was a funny book. It would be so fun if all you had to do to get a child to not be grumpy or to be faster at something or to not be a crybaby would be to just give them a pill. It's not really true that you can do that, but it is a funny idea, and it was it was fun to hear all the different problems that kids have. I bet you've known some child that has one of those problems in your life. The next book we're going to read is a mystery. I thought it was about time for one. It's by the author who wrote the Nancy Drew books, and it's about two sisters who are constantly solving mysteries. And it's called The Winking Ruby Mystery. They go on a trip with their uncle and aunt to um, Italy and while they're there 
there's some rubies missing and they have to find them. It's a really good one and I think you're going to enjoy it. So that's what's coming up next.